What up, what up, guys? Thank you so much for joining us today. What started as just a simple podcast with me and Jess sharing uh, deciding points turned into a great series. So today is my story on my deciding points in my career. So I hope you guys like it. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the show. What up, what up, guys? It's your boy, Rusty. Thank you for joining us today on the Common Warrior Podcast. With me, as always, is the awesome Jess. Say what's up. What's up, everybody? Today, we're going to bring you a little bit more insight to both mine and Jess's careers in the military. And we're going to really focus on the big deciding points, you know, where we hit a point, like literally a fork in the road and we're like, which way do we want to go? You know, we all go through many, many different points in our careers. It doesn't matter how long you've been in. If you're in for just one enlistment, two, all the way to 20, there is no shortage of deciding points that you'll come across that that will make your career, break your career, or just, you know, just take it a completely different direction. Like you just don't know what it's going to do for you, but that's what we're going to focus on today. And I know a lot of y'all have been waiting to hear the insane roadmap that Jess has laid out in the first couple of episodes, but you know, we're, we're going to finally hear from her what the hell is she trying to do with her career. So without further ado, I think we'll go ahead and just knock mine out real quick. Cause God knows how long it's going to take for you to say something, Jess, but <laughs> I mean, do we have all day or do we have all day? (laughs) This is probably going to, this will probably turn into a series guys. Let's just get honest here. (laughs) But, but, you know, starting with me, you know, I I was in for 13 years. As some of y'all know, um, joined in 2009, went to Cannon Air Force Base where Jess is at currently. And I was there for eight years. Then going through that, you know, Met my ex-wife, got married, so um, was married for seven of those eight years at Canon. Um, so a lot of the times, you know, you when you get married, you have to make joint decisions, right? Um, so she, my ex-wife was military as well. And uh, at a certain point in time, our first big uh, deciding point was we both went to TAP, uh, Transition Assistance Program. Uh, for those who don't know, that is... Uh, that is something that is congressionally mandated for all service men- members to attend whenever they are planning on separating or retiring. It is supposed to be a week long of just classes, briefs, and benefits, learning everything that you will uh, be able to take advantage of when you do leave the military and resources for you. So my first point in time was, I think it was 2014. 15 when I first went to tap and um at the time like I was sitting like and I just don't want to do this anymore I'm done you know um it was just the E4 still in the first enlistment and uh I'd already taken the test for E5 I didn't study so I didn't make it it wasn't a big deal because I, I didn't want to you know um as a came through with me and my ex-wife both going through TAP. Um, it's a very scary thing. It doesn't matter how long you've been in. Even Jess and Destiny could tell you, like, it doesn't matter how long you've been in, how prepared you are, like, all the things you think you know and you're ready for. Whenever that that light at the end of the tunnel starts getting brighter and brighter and you get to that 
the end goal and the date coming, you almost want to shit your pants because you're, you're leaving everything you know right then and there. And it is terrifying. So I, I was all talk when the time came because I, we had nothing planned. We had no money saved. We had, I had an associate's degree. Like I, there was no, there was no actual plan to get out other than we just wanted to get the hell out. Right. So at the time I ended up staying in, uh, my ex-wife did separate. Um, and that was a big, that was kind of the biggest turning point, biggest decision we came for at the time, you know, going from two for sure income, uh, with all these you know, benefits we get being in the military to just one member, you know? So that was a pretty, pretty big, big thing, you know, cause it's not easy. It's not easy to get to that point to be, oh, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And then, oh shit. It's, it's coming. I mean, Jess could tell you here just recently, she was almost at that point, you know, and things are starting to turn around a little bit for her. So she, she has a different way that she can go now, but it's, it, it is terrifying. So taking that into, a, into account, you know, whenever you get, you go through that, if, you know, you've been through TAP more than once, a lot of service members uh, go through TAP more than once throughout their career because they kind of get to that point of like, I think I'm done. I don't know. Let me go, let me go to TAP, you know, to see kind of if anything's changed. Things change all the time. I went through TAP three times. You know, like, and every single time it was different. First time, it was probably the the worst tap I ever experienced. I, it was just horrible, guys. Um, second time, no, it wasn't too bad. Third time was all online because of COVID. So it was, you didn't really learn much. But um, I mean, how many times do you go through tap, Jess? Uh, I went through it twice. So the first time I separated and then I went through it in January of this year and it was a night and day difference from 2014 it really it really is crazy how much it'll change in in that amount of time because you will get a lot of feedback of why the hell are we doing this what the hell is this about why like the tap that uh, the last two times i went through tap you know it was you had each brief each class you kind of go through it and you know you learn stuff the first time i went through tap it's it's a week long so five days monday through friday four days was just the department of labor talking your ear to death and we're just sitting here. I'm like, will you shut up? We don't care. We want to learn about how we're going to get our VA benefits and all the stuff like that. We don't care about the Department of Fucking Labor. It was a nightmare. What was absolute, it? Just, yeah, ugh. absolute death by PowerPoint. It sucked. Yeah. It, oh gosh. But uh, that right there was my biggest, my my first big deciding point. Nothing too crazy, nothing too extravagant. You know, a lot of people will think, oh, well, was it this or that? Were you going to get a new job? Were you going to get promoted? Nah. It was as simple as that. I was like, fuck this, I'm getting out. And then I tucked my tail between my legs and I was like, I'm all talk, I'm a re-enlist. You know, it's a lot easier to re-enlist than to get out. Everybody will tell you that most of the time. Going to my next, next big deciding point was actually re-enlisting. Okay. So when I went through tap the first time and I decided to not get out, I just, I just extended for a year. So getting to that point, I was still a cannon. I was at uh, seven or six years at the point. And, um, if you guys listened to the first episode, this is when I got, uh, orders to Korea to do a one-year tour. A lot of the benefits of when you do a one-year tour to Korea is that you get 
a follow-on preference for an assignment means like hell okay if you're gonna go to a career for a year unaccompanied um you'll submit your dream sheet for follow-on and they they really tend to do pretty good about giving you what you want you know if it's realistic of course you know um some people will put the you know most outlandish bases that have like no manning for their careers and expect to get it that you know as long as you don't do something like that you usually get it i mean you got some follow-ons in you jess did you ever do that uh i never went to korea i actually got my short tour out of afghanistan on my first deployment did you do a follow-on or no uh no no not the time it just it counted for the short tour credit so it just basically reset my short tour counter um because when i got back i was able to put in my bop see i got my i got my short tour my first deployment as well because i got there right before they changed the day requirement (laughs) so because yep that's what happened to me yeah and i was there for 186 days (laughs) (laughs) but um but back to back to what i was saying um I got orders to Korea, you know, I was really, honestly, I was really excited, you know, cause it's like, finally getting the hell out of Canon and I'm gonna get a follow on. Let's see what we can do. Right. Um, we had everything worked out. My ex-wife and my son, my daughter wasn't born yet. They were going to go, um, back to Houston with where my family was. And I was going to go to Korea for the year, you know, just knock it out. Right. I mean, we got close guys. I'm talking, we'd already, uh, broken the lease with our uh, renter to start getting getting everything ready. We'd already scheduled TMO pickup. Luckily, they hadn't picked up yet because about 45 days prior to when I was about to leave is when my orders got canceled. And um, what I didn't mention on the, the mental health episode, guys, if you haven't go, went ahead and tuned into episode three, I should, you really should check it out, um, is I lost those orders because of that stigma with going to see mental health. Um, I went there, I sought help. Um, it wasn't anything crazy out of the ordinary. My, my therapist even signed off on it. He, cause they have to, uh, send approval saying, Hey, um, do you think that this person is okay to go to Korea? My therapist was all about it. He was like, yeah, no, he, he's, he's good. He, he has nothing that tells me that he wouldn't be able to make it, you know, through the, the tour but korea didn't feel the same way and so they canceled my orders and when they and when korea says no there's there's no change in it unfortunately and that's that right there was the first sour taste of mental health in my mouth you know that put me into a point of like i will never go back because they already they just fucked up such a great opportunity for me now i'm not by any means saying to you guys don't seek mental health that's not what i'm saying i'm saying at certain points back in the day Mental health was like that. It, it, even Jess will tell you that mental health was like that. It's it's gotten better. There is ways to. It, there is still plenty of benefits that go seek mental health, but depending on what your goals are in your career, that's where you should really weigh the options of which help you seek of like either the chaplain or MFLAG or something like that versus going straight to mental health. So don't be discouraged about going to mental health guys. I'm just telling you from my experience is all I'm saying. Here's where the air force kind of, uh, pulled one, pulled one over me on this one. So guys, a lot of you guys know, especially from the air force that when you get these short tours, short tours means about one year, right? And when you get these short tours and you don't have enough retainability, meaning you don't have enough time left on your enlistment, 
right? 99% of the time, people will do an extension. Like, okay, I'll extend for a year. So I, my separation date is past my tour, my one-year tour date. And therefore I can go and I'll get the follow-on and then whatnot. And then if uh, everything goes well, I can re-enlist at that point. Isn't that right, Jess? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much correct. So at the time... I now I know now that I got very bad information because at the time I had no idea this was my first time at even at a glimmer of hope of leaving fucking cannon. So I was just going with whatever anybody told me cuz I didn't care. So I had told that since I was already in my current 1 year extension. I was talking to an NCO at assignments at M- at MPF by the way, not some airmen who probably didn't know what they were talking about because they're brand new, not some ignorant officer who, you know, is just there to leave but doesn't know their job. I was talking to a seasoned NCO and she told me, oh, sorry, you've already extended once. You can't do it again. You have to re-enlist to get these orders. How stupid does that sound, Jess? That is completely stupid because I'm, I've extended twice on my current enlistment. You can extend up to 48 months on an enlistment. Exactly. It doesn't matter how many times that extension takes until you get to four to eight months. See, I didn't know that. I had no idea. This is way back in whenever the fuck this happened. Like, I had no idea. You know, I was just, I I was like, who am I to question this person who works up at assignments? You know? Okay. So that's what I did. I re-enlisted for four years so I can get these orders. And then they canceled my orders. And guess what, guys? You can't take back a reenlistment. <laughs> no take backsies. Uh, unless you can get your buddies with the Secretary of the Air Force, um, there's nothing you can do about it. So I was like, oh, good one, guys. Look at you go. You did it. You got me for another four. So they, they canceled those orders. And here I am, reenlisted and stuck for another four years. Retrospect, it was probably a good thing. I was able to transfer my GI Bill to my kids because, uh, you know, guys, whenever you want to do that, you have to re-enlist for four more years to start the transfer to your kids. Um, so I was able to do that. So uh, I am glad that I got to do that. Gosh, man, after that, I was hell-bent on getting out of my job. Guys, I didn't even want this job to begin with, okay? I came in in an open contract, which means that you don't go to basic training with a confirmed job like a lot of people do. Uh, When you're in basic training, you put down your top five selections um, based off your ASVAB scores that they give you. They'll give you a book like, hey, based off your ASVAB scores, here's what you can choose from. And it's basically what's available at the time. So you pick your top five. I picked my top five. Yes, the job that I am current that I did was on was on there, and I did put it because everything else was horseshit. But it is not what I wanted, you know. So, any chance that I was trying to, I was trying to get ready to cross train. I wanted out of that job, and and I was trying to cross train to be an operator. I wanted to be TACP, uh, Tactical Air Control Party, you know. I was consistently uh, in the gym. My, my body was just getting beaten to hell on a daily basis, sometimes twice, just getting ready. You know, I was working out. I was running. I, I, I was eating, you know, to I was eating to my body what they needed, you know, and I'm taking 
uh, the pass test, which is, you know, the test you have to take in order to just show, hey, you can meet minimum requirements to even go try out. And I was, I was blowing it out the water. I was doing great. But every single time I would get ready, something would happen. If you get orders, you can't cross train. You have to, you have to do, you have to go and get, do what you have to do at that point. Um, then at one time I was, I was ready and I, I got tendonitis in both my Achilles, both my ankles. Dude, that's Guys, the worst. Yes. And I could barely walk like, trying to do anything else. I could barely walk. And if you, and the thing about tendonitis, it sucks. Is there's nothing you can do. You just have to wait. You yep. have to wait, rest and let it go away. This, I want to say was probably a right around, uh, 2017, uh, or t late 2016 before I got, I got orders to Lake and Ethan before I PCS'd. Um, because at that point, you know, you're still, you're still pretty young in the career. you I was only a staff sergeant E5. So, you know, you're good, but you're not to a point where they're like really trying to hold on to you, you know, cause Jess will tell you, once you get higher ranking in your career, you, getting out of it is like, you just why even try because they've already invested so much into you and so at that point no matter how much i hated being in my career field i was good at it don't get me wrong you know just because i hate something doesn't mean i'm gonna be shit at it i i'm in the i do good at the job because i needed to you know it has a purpose deployed you know four times with it so it, it was never a question of you know being a shitty supply guy. It's just, I didn't, it's not what I wanted. You know, I didn't feel like I was doing anything productive or anything actually worth serving for, you know, the most I ever got out of it was when I was deployed being home stationed. I'm like, what, what the fuck am I doing here? It just didn't feel like I was getting anything gratifying done. Yeah, I know a lot of people will feel that way whenever they think about their own jobs. I get it. Don't get me wrong. You know, you, if you're in that point guys, and you have the ability, try to change it up. Don't just feel like you are stuck, but you got to do it sooner than later. The longer you wait, the harder it's going to be to a point where they probably won't even consider it. And so I'm telling you guys, when you're young in your career, just do it as soon as you can. But um, at that point, guys, you know, I was still married, two kids. I just accepted it. You know, I was like, hey, this is who I am. I'm a supply guy. I'm good at my job. People come to me when they need stuff because they know I can help them. People come to me when they have questions because they know I can answer them. You know, like I'd become, I'd become a pretty good source of intel and guidance for a lot of people. You know, it's hard. It really is hard sometimes to get to that point of like uh, accepting who you are when you've tried so hard to change it for so long. Does that make sense, Jess? Yeah, it does. I get that for sure. It's, um, it's one of those things where like you see yourself doing something and you think, fuck, like, I don't want to do this. But then you're like, well, shit, I'm good at it. You know, you, be you become comfortable, not complacent, but you yeah. become comfortable and you still want to step out of that comfort zone, but you know that you really can't at that point in time. Um, so I, I definitely understand that perspective. Yeah, like I just, for so long, I, the last thing I wanted to do was be like, I'm going to 
through 20 years and retire as a supply guy. That just sounds stupid when I say it. But, I mean, at that point in time, guys, like I said, unless you, why I say don't wait, if you have reservations or you have other dreams, you know, other goals, do it early as soon as you can. While you're a first-term airman or while you're, like, you know, still brand new in the career field, at your earliest opportunity, pursue it. Because the more you have time you invest and more the Air Force invests in you, they're not going to let you go out of that career field per se. But at a certain point in time, when you know, when you know you're probably this is who you're going to be, this is what you're going to do, um, is when you really have to take an internal reflection of like, look, you joined for a reason. You're serving. This is the job you got. This is the hand you were dealt. You may not like it. It may not be the most gratifying thing, but this is what you do. And unless you're going to get out of the military to pursue something else or you're not actively trying to pursue something else in the military, then there's only one other option that should come to your head. Be the best you can fucking be at that job. Kick ass at it. Be somebody that you can be confided in, that somebody can trust in you, that leadership and people say, look, I want him or I want her because they know what they're doing. Because other than that, you become a shit person that nobody wants to work with and that everybody fucking hates. And that is what brings sections and, and flights down to failure in certain points. You can't be that person. If you hate, hate, hate your job and you're not actually trying to fix that, that path by doing something else or separating, then there's no point for you to be there. Like, you're just bringing everybody down. Like, I, yeah, I didn't like the job. But when I got, when I knew that this was what I was going to do, I became the fucking best I could at it. And everybody knew it. And nobody could tell me otherwise. Everybody would sit here and try to, uh, <laughs> I got talked to so many times about my attitude. People saying, like, well, they're saying that, you know, you, you, you got a bad attitude down there. So I was like, no, 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 I don't have a bad attitude. I don't let them walk all over me. That's a difference. Look, well, you know, they're the customer. I don't give a fuck if they're the customer. This is the goddamn military. Customer's not always right in this point. They're not going to come down here and tell me that this is what I'm going to do for them when I know that I can't. They're not going to come down there and tell me, you're going to do this because I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. Like, that, that was always my issue. And that's probably why I had no shot in hell at making E7. Because I... I I just, there was no way in hell you were going to come down there and try to dictate how I do my job when you have no fucking clue what you're talking about. So that's the kind of NCO I became in my job field. And I protected my people. You know, I protected my people and I got in trouble for protecting my people. Not because I just went to bat for them, because of the tone and how I went to do it. I didn't care. You don't come down here and fuck with my team and try to make it f seem like that they're fucking up when you're the one asking ridiculous shit that they shouldn't be doing. At that point in time, when I decided that this is who I was going to be and this is what my career is, it is the point in time that I became dangerous in that career because you're not going to fuck with me and you're not going to fuck with my people because I will destroy you. And that's the type of mentality that a lot of NCOs and supervisors should adapt to a degree. I'm not saying you have to go full bore like I did. But you need to be down there willing to take a fucking shot to the nose for your people. Because 
in the end, if they fail because you're not running a tight ship and you're not sitting there making sure that they're properly trained or they have the information and the resources that they need, it doesn't matter that they're the ones that messed up. You failed them. And that's where you have to decide to be that type of NCO or that type of leader by making that choice of like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I have to do. And I'm going to be fucking amazing at it. That's where it is. So at that deciding point, I did a lot when I got to Lake and Heath that I felt pretty proud of myself on, you know. Um, And the reason why I felt pretty proud of myself and assured that I did good on it is because a lot of my troops, my NCOs, and the last section that I worked in before I PCS'd from there, uh, every single one of them were told me, like, we've never had an NCO or a, a supervisor that cared like you did, that went to bat for us like you did. And it's good to hear that, you know, not to a point of like, ha bitch, I'm cool, you're not. It's just like, okay, I, I'm making a difference in somebody, you know? And just, it, it, there's no better feeling when it comes down to people telling you that they truly appreciate what you do for them, that they love the way that you run their section and that you lead them. I mean, you've heard that plenty of times, huh? Yeah, I've been pretty fortunate in my career um, with the people that I've been able to lead. And, uh, you know, even on those super, super hard days, um, even and sometimes like you're going to stick up for your people and you are not going to win that fight. Like and there's there's different ways to approach, you know, how you protect your people or, or how you hold them accountable and things like that. Um I take a different approach than Rusty does, not saying that his is wrong. <laughs> his worked for him, right? We all have different personalities. We all have different skill sets and we deal with things differently. But there are going to be a lot of days where you're going to think that you're getting it right and you're going to have a leadership team that may be looking out for your best interest, may not be looking out for your best interest, but will tell you, no, like you are absolutely off the mark with this. Like you cannot protect your people right now. You need to let them fuck up and learn. Um, but I agree with you. I think we need to have more NCOs and senior NCOs that are willing to be out there with their people and understand their people and know their people. And I'm very fortunate to know a lot of good senior NCOs and NCOs here at Canon. It was not always the case, uh, but recently that's the way it's been. Um, but you don't find them. They don't, they don't make them like they used to and they don't make them run like they used to. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I get where your frustration is coming from for sure. Yeah. And, um, that, that was a lot of, cause when I was in Lake and Heath guys, um, I was, I was planning to separate directly from Lake and Heath. Um, still married, but you know, like I mentioned, you know, things, things don't work out sometimes. And when I started to go through a divorce, I decided to extend for another year versus get out. I mean, I was close to getting, out. I had orders to get out, you know? So I guess this is kind of another impromptu deciding point that I wasn't planning on talking about. Um, You know, plans to get out at the time, you know, with the family, my now ex-wife and two kids trying to, you know, just get out of the whole crazy up and down and all around military life. You know, I still plan on trying to do guard or reserves, you know, do the long route to retirement. But in the end, it was one of those things of like, I'm tired of moving, tired of all this crazy stuff. Let's just, you know, let's just stop it, you know? 
life goes on, shit happens, doesn't work out that way. So that's when I decided to extend for a year to get an assignment uh, out of Licking Heath, um, which in retrospective, I'm glad that I only extended versus, you know, re-enlisted. Um, so when I extended for that year, I got uh, an assignment to Hill Air Force Base in Utah, which, you know, even though it was only a year, it's one of my favorite assignments. I mean, guys only had three assignments, but it was one of my favorite. It was probably my favorite one just because I met, I met the right people that I need to meet at the time in order to set to get me to where I am now in my life. And I purely base the best parts of my career off of that last year. So it's, and it's really crazy how that can happen. So, you know, I extend, get orders, PCS, you know, go to Utah, get, get into Hill, meet a lot of great people. Um, Reconnect with a couple of uh, people that, you know, one guy that I was stationed with for a little bit at Lake and Heath before he PCS and to Hill. And then I ended up being a supervisor. So it was cool to reconnect with him. Another person that I have not seen since Canon and she happened to have been there. I'm like, wow, it was, it was really crazy seeing her again, just because it was like, Jesus Christ. Like, you know, you got a small world, you got a smaller air force. It's crazy. Going into there, going into uh, Hill at the time. I was still focused on like, you know what? My goal at the time was make Master Sergeant, make E7, do what I have to do to become a first sergeant. That was my one career goal that I was not straying from. I wanted to be a first sergeant and retire at 20. Maybe as a Master Sergeant still, but hopefully as at least as an E8, as a senior, you know, as a shirt. That was my goal. That was what I wanted and that was what I was working my ass off to get to. As time went on, going through that last year, you know, it was the first time that, you know, uh, being away from my children, um, not necessarily, you know, as a course of being deployed or whatnot, but, you know, this is my first base of being a divorced uh, parent with kids, right? My ex-wife and the kids are back in San Antonio and Texas. That's where she was from. So she moved back there with the kids and you know, I'm still in the military. Not to think that I ever thought it was going to be easy. I just had no idea how hard it was actually going to be for me. Now, some people can can deal with it. I'm not saying that that's a good or a bad thing. I'm not, you know, saying that, oh, so because I couldn't handle it and you can, that you're a piece of shit. I'm not saying that. Everybody's different, okay? I'm just saying that for me, I couldn't. I hated being a that far away from my children and not only that being that far away and knowing that and not knowing when i would be able to see him again yeah you have your standard uh, visitations but you're in the military so at any given time you're tdy you're deployed you're fucking pcs out of nowhere you're thrown to like you don't know what's going to happen you know and that's when i got to the point i was like I don't think I can do this because I mean, hell, like the last thing I wanted to do at that point was to ever get stationed overseas again. Cause holy shit, when have I ever, when am I going to see my kids then? You know, I'm still trying my ass off to, to make E7 to become a first sergeant. Still my goal, wanting to more than anything. But as time started to go along, um, 
when I got there from Lake and Heath, depending on when you PCS and how long um, the PCS till your annual rating closes out and then whenever certain records are due to be considered for the next rank and yada, it's all kinds of dumb shit, right? Uh, I just got to Hill in Utah, but all my stuff is still getting rated uh, against all the tech sergeants and everybody back at Lake and Heath. So in my mind, I thought that would be a, a good a chance for me. You know, I don't know any of these people here yet. Turns out it was just jack shit. And that right there was one of the big uh, leadership failure moments that we'll talk on another episode. And I trust me, guys, I will hold no fucking punches when I tell you every single thing about that. But when I didn't make master that time, I was upset. I was a little disappointed, you know, because it, it's one thing to be told, hey, you know, that we we just didn't think you were ready or whatever like that. And it's another thing to be told, uh, we don't think you deserve it. And a lot of times you won't get told those things straight to your face because, you know, these, these fucking people in these leadership positions that are trying to act like they, they're actually looking out for you or that they care about anything else but themselves, they have to be somewhat professional. They have to use those fancy words just to try to make it seem like they're not being a total selfish jackass only looking out for themselves. And that's basically what I got told. You don't deserve it. And I'm like, I did 10 times more than you did, you motherfucker. But, you know, teach his own at that point. But like I said, wait till that episode comes, guys. I am not going to be afraid to say anything. I don't make master. Going through the, uh, the rest of my time there, getting to a point where I either need to extend again or re-enlist. I'm at that point, I'm like, I have seven years before I can retire. A lot of people will say, oh, seven years? You don't understand how long seven years really is, guys, especially when you're in this fucking job. It's Seven years feels like 17, honestly. It's ridiculous. And to me at that point, it just didn't, it didn't fucking feel any bit worth it. And given, that the, given how my life is going now, I was literally just losing money. So when it came down to the point of, okay, I don't like being away from my kids like this. I am not getting appreciated in any shape or form to where I can actually keep growing in my career, okay? I'm doing all the work as an E7 without getting paid. I have all the career goals that I need to be an E7 as, and that's the only way that I'm going to grow as a big A airman, and I'm not getting it. So being there and making a good relationship with one of my coworkers who was a Lockheed Martin employee, prior Air Force, but he was a civilian working over there. That's the reason why I say I got the best connections in that last year at Hill, because that's what led me to be able to get to where I am now working for Lockheed here in, in Fort Worth, living the best life I have right now. I absolutely love my job, guys. 
I love my job. I love everything about it. I actually get, I actually go to work and I'm sitting here. I'm like, fuck man, what can I do today? Because I, I love what the hell I'm doing. And that is not easy for a lot of people to ever get when it comes to being in a job, whether it be civilian or military. It is fucking crazy that you can actually be that happy leaving what you thought would be the biggest, the biggest part of your life, right? I wanted to do 20 plus. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be that one that'd be like, yeah, I, I served my country for 20 plus years and I retired and, you know, and stuff like that. I'm, it just ended up not being in the cars for me. I know I got a little long-winded on this as it went through. A lot longer than I thought I would would have taken because you guys have no idea what Jess is going to be talking about here pretty soon. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, guys, you might look back at some of these deciding points and you think, should I have done that? Should I have gone a different way? Did I make the right decision? And the only way you're ever going to actually know the answer to that is is from yourself. When you sit back and you reflect on the fact of where you are now based off of those decision points. And I could tell you now, I know at a certain point in time in my life that I was like, man, I wish I would have done that instead of this. Man, I wish I would have gone that way instead of this way. Um, but everything happens for a reason. I hate that saying, but you know, it, it kind of applies. When you sit back and you really think about it, and I look at all those decisions, I look at all those points of where had I gone a different direction or had I made the other choice, I, God knows where the hell I'd be right now. Whether it would still be in the military or if I would have got out way back when and <laughs> be on the brink of being fucking homeless or something, you know, who knows. But everything that comes down to it is whenever you look at those deciding points and I'm like sitting here, I don't regret a fucking thing because here I am in the best point of my life with a, uh, a job that I love, my kids, they're healthy, you know, I wish I saw them more, but you know, I, they're, they're doing great. I'm, we're not moving all over the goddamn place anymore. I'm not stuck in sections and flights and squadrons of people who don't give a damn about me and only about themselves. I actually get to live a life that I feel very valued and I feel like I'm actually getting my worth. So at that point in time is that's the only time you can ever actually tell, figure out if that was what was, was the best decision for you. Because when it comes down to it, you are your only, you're the only thing that can hold you back or bring you forward. So guys, when I tell you that my career, as long as it hasn't been, you know, all over the place. I deployed four times. We'll talk more about that at a different time. Only three assignments. It gets to a point where I, I do, I am very grateful that I made those decisions, that I didn't change my job, that I didn't get out the first time, that I just decided to take one more year on top of the shit storm that I was leaving in fucking Lake and Heath, you know? Every single one of them, those deciding factors and those points in my career I could not be more happy with how it turned out because my life is in a, is in the best point that's ever been. I'm very proud of my time in the service of 13 years. I'm very proud 
that, you know, I was a supply airman, even though it wasn't my first choice or what I always wanted to be. I love every second that I got to call myself a United States Airman. I'm a veteran now, happy as ever, because I don't have to deal with that bullshit and all those rules and regulations anymore. I get to do things that I wasn't, wasn't allowed to do. I get to go places I wasn't allowed to go. Every time you ever meet someone like us, you never all, they're always like, man, did you love it? <sighs> no, nah, it was annoying. Did you ever get to do a bunch of cool shit? Uh, it's fucking stupid shit most of the time. Did you meet some cool people? Nah, everybody's fucking annoying and retarded, man. Like, you get to, you get to be friends with maybe one or two people. Oh man, do you miss it? Every fucking day. <laughs> you know, it, it always comes down to it. You will talk about the worst goddamn experiences, the worst fucking people, the worst places on this goddamn planet. And all you ever think about is going back. I wanted to go back to Afghanistan. As crazy as it sounded. I wanted to go back. I want to go back to Afghanistan to escape my personal problems in the States. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to go back. But I never got the chance. You know, I, I was fortunate enough out of my four deployments, I never went to the same place twice. I like that because I never had to deal, I, I got to do something, experience something new. You know what I mean? I love the fact that I got to do something new every time. I cannot well, relate because all three of my deployments were to Afghanistan. But three different locations in Afghanistan, so that kind of counts. See, you get, to, you get to say you got to change it up a bit. You went from like, you know... Most more safe to least safe because you went to what you went to Kandahar, uh, Bagram, and Kabul. Yeah, I started in Kabul, then Bagram, then then Kandahar, as yeah. we were getting ready to actually pull out of Afghanistan. The right time, yeah. But well, Jess, I know I've taken up pretty much an entire episode's time with just me. I didn't mean to, so um, I don't know if we want to. We can break up and make a whole episode with just you because it, it, I think it'd probably be a good one you know yeah but, man I don't I don't want to steal your thunder I think everything you just put out now was fantastic and I know you had a lot on your heart to say and I do not want to take away from that at all so yeah we yeah. will uh yeah we'll come back to this maybe uh <laughs> maybe the next episode I'll just go ahead and dump my crazy map of a career experience out on the table and see how people react yeah and guys, you know when you when you really put down to it, like I I'll never discourage somebody to not, you know, join the military. You know, I would just always say you gotta really put a lot of thought into it before you join. You know? Like like I said on my on the first episode, I joined because I was hundred percent bored. I had nothing going for my life at the point. I was bored. I just I was like, eh, all right, let's go see what this can do for me. And over time, I grew to knew what I wanted to do. I grew, over time, I grew into being somebody who, who wanted to serve, who wanted to be, you know, that person for the country. So, and in, and in those sense and times, of those deciding points, you know, to start the career, to the deciding points in your career, and then to these deciding points after your career, right? Deciding to start this podcast to give you guys this kind of information, you know? Because all me and Jess want to do is take care of you guys and, and make sure that you have all the information you could possibly need to either make the decision to join, to make good supported decisions while you're in the military, or make even supported decisions while 
when you're out of the military because all around what we give you guys is just certain stories and experiences from firsthand, secondhand, you know, that's why we bring on guests just to have you guys. We want to give you guys every bit of material to be enlightened and empowered to make sure that you're not going through something alone and you're not, you're not sitting here making it seem like there's nobody else going through the shit that I am. Guarantee you there's more than you could possibly imagine that are going through the same shit that you're exactly going through. It, It, it's like those things of like when you're growing up like man am i the only person that does this and you realize that every guy in the fucking world does this you know what i mean (laughs) like that's it's exactly the same fucking thing you know so guys don't ever be afraid to to really sit there and ponder and take a reflection of is this decision going to be the worst decision i ever make you don't know and you can't you can't avoid making a decision or you can't avoid taking a risk because you're just afraid it's going to be the absolute wrong and it's going to destroy everything. Because if that was the case, then I never would have got out of the military. I mean, I was literally weeks away from getting out with no job. I'd already asked my mom if I could move back in until I could get a job. You know, like I was at that point, I was committed to get out, but I, I had nothing lined up. I had some savings. I had a, a general plan. I had my master's degree. I had everything that I was going to do to use to get to that point. But I just made the decision. And then literally my last day of the military was August 17th, 2020. And then I started my new job August August 22nd, 2022. I'm talking like days right after I was done with the military is when I was able to finally start a new job and a new life. It's all about those deciding factors and you just got to trust your gut. If you know for a fact that this is what you want and that this is what will make you happy and this is what you truly think that you're meant to do, don't second guess it. 99% of the time, your gut feeling is the right choice. I can attest to that. So don't ever doubt yourself. Be confident and just make sure that you have your own support and you know that you're going to be right. Well, I think that was... uh... It was that was good, man. Um, you got anything else you want to pass on for this episode? Nah, I was actually surprised myself with the shit that I said. Um, people say uh, all the time, like, "Man, dude, you got a lot of stuff to share." I'm like, eh, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I just don't shut up, but it's it's one of those things, you know. This was pretty focused on those deciding points, and I just want to make sure you guys understand that it's. Deciding points in your career are the hardest fucking things you'll come to you'll come to pass. Absolutely. But in the end, is as long as it's like it's not based off emotion, but it's based off of hey, this is my goal, this is what I want, and I think this is the best way to get there. That is always that is ninety nine percent of the time always going to give you the best result. If you make decisions based off of pure emotion, you're 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 gambling at that point. So I, that's the only thing I would really throw back to you guys. Don't be in an emotional state. Don't go off of pure emotion. Really think about what your goal in life is and what you want to see in your career. Then make the decision that you feel is the best way to get to that point. Would you agree, Jess? Yeah, 100%. Because, uh, well, I mean, I'll talk about it when I talk about my experiences. <laughs> but I have very much made a lot of decisions based off of emotion and it's taken me a long time to learn how to differentiate emotion from a gut feeling. And I'm still learning that every day. 
but I can tell you that a lot of the things that I've done, I look back on and I'm like, man, I really should have sat and thought about that a little bit more before I made that decision. Um, but it's like mm-hmm. you said, every decision leads you down a path and it's the path usually you're meant to go on, whether you think you are or you're not. Um, and it all works out for you in the end, at, in, in some capacity, regardless of what that capacity is, like you're always going to end up on the path that you're meant to be on. Exactly. And I think, I think you summarized that really nicely. Um, kind of going over your career too, Rusty. And I'm really glad that you shared all that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I'm glad to call you my friend because I love Aww. you, man. Love you too, bestie. <laughs> bestie. Well, anything else you would like to throw in here, Jess, before we call it? Um, just want to thank everybody again for listening. Um, we appreciate all the support you guys have been giving us. Uh, please get the word out, share it with your friends, um, share it with those who are looking to join, share it with those who are currently serving who have served um we're here and we love you guys and we appreciate you absolutely and don't forget if you haven't already checked out the episode two for recruiting and episode three about mental health really guys you got to go check it out it's some good stuff and it's some good it's some good insight you really want to check it out don't don't miss any episodes like and subscribe you know what i mean go follow us on ig common warrior podcast if you guys want us anywhere else shoot us a dm on ig and let us know where you want us to get set up and we'll do whatever we can to help bring what we can to you and in a platform best for you okay because we want to make sure you guys have access wherever you need to all right so thanks again for joining us can't wait to hear jess's episode tomorrow uh and how her crazy uh career path goes all right so make sure you guys tune in all right thanks a lot guys bye guys Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to drop us a follow or subscribe to The Common Warrior wherever you find your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Common Warrior Podcast. Take care and join us again for our next episode.